When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Forward for uh, six penalties each already. Yep. Oh, blimey. It does it to this club, doesn't it? Absolutely. I say, though. Up against Maynard Brewer. And forward now. Hits it. Yes! by Maynard Brewer. Brilliant. Charlton had the chance to take this tie. Oh, my word. Brilliant from Ashley Maynard Brewer. What a save that is. And it's Sam Lavelle tasked with it. Oh, my words. Oh, I can't watch this too. But what a save for Maynard Brewer. Sasado hits it. It's in the corner. It's, I think it's a good penalty. But Maynard Brewer, this Lord Australian arms diving down to the right, palms it away. Now Lavelle could send Charlton into the quarterfinals. Oh, I would not like to be Sam Lavelle right now. Come on, Sam. Sam Lavelle. Up against Jason Steele. Hits it. And yes! Johan in the next round of the Carabao Cup. Quarterfinal awaits and the Eriks are through. And the Charlton players jump on Sam Lavelle in the corner of the penalty area. Charlton have won this penalty shootout by four penalties to three against Premier League Brighton. We've seen some special nights at the Valley Tell and this is up there with them. What a penalty from Lavelle. What an evening at the Valley. Hello and welcome to this special bonus episode of Charlton Live. My name is Louis Mendez. Thank you so much for joining us. Last Sunday's show, well, it was our Christmas special and traditionally that would be it for the year, but it's been another madcap week at the Valley with a new manager arriving in the form of Dean Holden and other senior positions being filled. All this happening under a shroud of uncertainty surrounding the ownership of the club and any potential takeovers or investment and coupled with that, our normally terrible football team has somehow just beaten Premier League Brighton and made their way into the quarterfinals of the EFL Cup. So on this special show, we're going to try and get to the bottom of everything. Later on, we're going to hear from South London Press Sports Editor Richard Corley as he tried to give me the lowdown on all the boardroom commotion. And we also have a rerun of our Twitter space from this evening where we watch the quarterfinal draw of the EFL Cup and discuss last night's remarkable win over Brighton and Hove Albion. But first of all, let's hear from caretaker boss Anthony Hayes. He masterminded last night's victory over the Seagulls and he spoke of his pride following the performance from his side. Yeah, it's a special night. Um, special performance. Uh, needed a little bit of luck, rode our luck at times against a, a high-caliber uh, Premier League side. You know, I've, I've got so much admiration for how they play the game. <coughs> so we needed to... Um, 
we needed to suffer a lot without the ball. We needed to stay in a in a solid shape. Um, it would have been nice if we carried a little bit more threat, particularly in the second half. But when you're against that caliber of opposition, it's difficult. But it's a special night. Um, delighted that we're able to swing the mood and send the fans home home happy, particularly this side of Christmas. Yeah, I think one that, that the whole club probably needs a night like tonight. Yeah, yeah, it gives everyone a lift. Uh, and like I said, it's a special night. It's one that the fans, the players, the staff, we won't forget. Um, you know, we've got a quarter-final tie, I think, now to look forward to. Uh, but we have to use this as a springboard uh, going into our, our league campaign. The, the commitment levels that your side showed tonight, I mean, uh, I guess the obvious question will be where, where, where has it been for, for spells of this season? Yeah, I think I think it's been the consistency has been the question, Louis. You know, I said the same to you, I think, after Saturday. Um, you know, we, we worked on... Uh, our match prep for today with and without the ball <clears throat> and against a, a side like Brighton you've got to you've got to give up certain spaces to protect others uh, they test your line your last line constantly with deep runs and players dropping in and they disrupt and disturb it and um, I, I thought how we defended back to front um, I thought generally all night was outstanding and you need a little bit of luck uh, but I thought we showed some resolve and grit and character in the moments where they started to really get on top of the game uh, and like I said, I thought the least the players deserve was a penalty shootout. Yeah, I mean the, the defence have been under pressure at times this season as well, so you, they, they they must take a lot of praise for this evening. Yeah, I think it would be unfair just to single out you know individuals or particular units. Like I said, it was a massive collective effort. You could see, you know, physically we started to, to falter at the end with players going down with cramp. Um, but again, you know, they they got through it. And like I said, I, I thought over the course of the game, the minimum they deserved was a penalty shootout. It was one hell of a penalty shootout as well, twisting and turning. But I mean, Ash came up with a vital moment right at the end. Yeah, brilliant. You know, that's that's the excitement. The penalty shootout for me was a bonus. You know, I said that to the players. Um, you know, you, I suppose you flip a coin really. And Ash was fantastic. You know, and Sam obviously takes the decisive spot kick. Um, and like I said, it, it culminates in a special night and a special atmosphere at the end. And I think the fans respond to those effort levels. And you know, something I mentioned at the end is that's the minimum requirement when you wear this badge. And you know, the quality has to improve. Um, but if we have that as a as a base, you know, not many teams will beat us. I know you, you won't like to single out players too much, but Sam is one of many who needs a personal lift, and so hopefully that, that winning penalty and his performance throughout the evening will, will provide that for him. Yeah, I tried to keep Sam spare. I did, um, you know, in terms of how we set up, I Brighton stick five on your last line, and I didn't want us to be matched up man for man, so I wanted to have one of the centre halves be that Sam or uh, Ryan spare. And I thought Sam played that role very, very intelligently. Uh, came up with some vital interceptions. That performance will hopefully give him a huge lift. Um, and obviously to score the penalty on top of that, you know, it's a bonus. But um, the group, I think, will uh, will take huge confidence from this. But it's important that we use it as a springboard moving into Monday. Well, as we say, I mean, Ashley certainly staked a claim for, for the Boxing Day game this evening. I thought he was excellent. Yeah, well, I think I said it on Saturday. He's a goalkeeper that we've got... Um, you know, huge ambitions for and huge plans for. Um, he's just solid and assertive in everything that he does. Comes in, got a wonderful mentality. He's ambitious. He wants to improve and get better every day. They're the people and type of people that we want to be working with. Um, for me, it was uh, it was an easy decision for for him to be the number one tonight. Ashley Maynard Brewer proved to be one of the addicts' heroes last night, saving Moises Casido's spot kick in sudden death, meaning that Sam Lavelle could stroke home the winner for the addicts. The young Australian stopper was given the Man of the Match award after his fine performance, and I caught up with him after the game, asking him how he'd sum up his feelings after such an impressive win. Oh, I'm not too sure to be honest. I'm just relieved. It was great effort from all the boys and. 
to get a result against the Premier League side, it's it was just a great occasion. Great to have the fans turn out, and yeah, great to get a result. And looking forward to the next round. That's got to be the, the best night of your young career so far. Yeah, for sure. I've had a few nightmare injuries recently with my shoulder. So to get an opportunity to play in a game like this, I've, I loved it. So yeah, it's great to be a part of. Talk us through the uh, the penalty shootout. It was a, a bizarre one with uh, the, the woodwork being hit more than once, but then also you had to you had to step up and make that save right at the end. Yeah, it was a strange one. I think as a goalie, there's not as much pressure on you. Um, if they score, it's I guess it's not your fault, and if you save one, you, you know you're the hero. So when it full time went and it went to penalties, I was I was actually quite relieved. So <laughs> I thought you know whatever happens, there's a, there's a chance that um, I can do well and. And yeah, so yeah, to make a save and to get through is unreal. So the, the calibre of the players you're up against tonight in that finish, I mean, had, had you done your homework, did you know which way they, they were likely to go? Yeah, uh, Macaulay coach gave me a, a bottle with the, with the names of the players and, and where they go. But after, after two or three, um, I just kind of went on instinct and hoped for the best. What did you make of the, the performance during the 90 minutes as well? I mean, that, that defending, in, particularly in that second half, I mean, it's something perhaps John have lacked at times this season. You must have been really proud of that defence in front of you. Yeah, I'll, I think uh, Hazy said to us before the game, you know, it's, it's a free hit, there's no pressure on you, just, uh, yeah, put a massive effort in. And that's what we did. We, we frustrated them, we defended really well, and, yeah, we gave ourselves a chance. And from your personal performance, obviously you've you've been in and out since you've come back in with, with Matt coming back in a couple of times. But I mean, you'll see that as a bit of a statement to to the new manager who's coming as well. Yeah, I think that was a good opportunity for for all of us to make an impression in front of the new manager. Um, yeah, going forward, I guess I just want to yeah focus on the Boxing Day game. My position in the league isn't good enough and. I guess we've got to take this result and get a bit of momentum going and, and get a few wins. Yeah, I guess say surely the team will have to take some sort of confidence from that. I mean, the crowd was incredible tonight. We haven't seen scenes like that at the Valley for a long time. Yeah, it just shows what this club is capable of. We know we've, I guess, underperformed for the last few seasons and we're all working hard to get ourselves near the top of the table. And yeah, we, we just want to do our, our best on the pitch and turn things. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.
Jaden Stockley. Charlton Live. So who's next? Well, we recorded a live Twitter space this evening to look back at last night's game and watch the draw live. Let's listen back to that now. Right, well, so let's let's start, first of all, with last night, Nate. I've got you on. So um, what a night, you know, and... and I, I, I still can't get my head around it because on on sat, on Sunday's Christmas special, obviously we we had our fun and games with the quiz, and I'm sure anyone who hasn't listened to that, go back to our last episode as well and enjoy the quiz and relax and, and enjoy that bit. But also in the first half of that pod, we were talking about how we're a rubbish football team. You know, we're full of mistakes. We can't defend to save our lives. Are, are we concerned about the drop? Some people are a little bit, and all of that turned into what happened last night where we were just superb. We stuck at it. We were rigid. Yeah, we rode our luck at times, which you will do against a side like Brighton from the Premier League. But we were great. And it was just one of those special, special nights at the Valley last night. Yeah, exactly, mate. And as you, as you said, uh, we, last pod, we were a bit disgruntled because of how rubbish we were. But that's why we all love this game and anything can happen in a, in 90 minutes. But I think, yeah, the first half, it was... A, little bit too much respect obviously um, and then we seemed to grow into the game and it was just a bit weird because even at half time I was like oh they could still they could still turn us over here but then when it got once it got to about 60 minutes it felt like everyone started to believe that something was possible and like we started getting the rub of the green with the you know with things going across the six yard box and whatnot um, and even when Chucks went off I still thought well, we can might nick it here um, but um, yeah, on the train there, there was no way in a million years did I think we was going to go through um, against Brighton for sure. Yeah, I mean, Lewis, where, where on earth did that come from? I mean, the obvious question is, why why can we do it last night and why can't we do it the rest of the season? But I mean, where where, where did they find that within them? You know, there's a, a defensive line in particular that, we, that, we, that we've had no trust in over the last few weeks, but they, they very rarely put a foot wrong. You know, like I say, there's a couple of times we had to. We had to ride our luck, as you'd expect against a side who can move the ball around like Brighton have the potential to do. Um, and, and obviously, Ash, I thought, was absolutely superb yesterday. But overall, I mean, that performance, we just seemed to grow in belief as the evening wore on. Yeah, we really did. I mean, in terms of why we can't do that in the league, it's the million-pound question, isn't it? Because last night's performance was was absolutely unbelievable. You know, of course, going forward, we didn't really have a huge amount, but the in terms of the the sort of battling display defensively, given how good Brighton are, you know, on the ball in terms of creating chances, the the calibre of, of team that they put out last night against us, the shape that we came in and, you know, we had youngsters like Luke and Ness and, um, you know, Ash even really has only just come back into the fold playing against Premier League players uh, and didn't look a spot out of place. You know, it, we really did impress last night. I thought it was a real battling performance and I think, you know, the magic of the cup is sort of well and truly alive there. And I think it's given everyone a bit of a lift. I mean, it was absolutely buzzing at the Valley last night on the way out. It was absolutely brilliant. And that's the sort of atmosphere that that place can generate, you know, and those performances mean so much. And you felt it at times when even at, at points where we just made like the slightest, like last ditch tackle or cleared a ball by hoofing it like 40 yards out of play. It was greeted with cheers like we'd scored a goal. You know, it was a real battle. And, and the more the game wore on, I did think... You know what, if we take this to penalties, we stand every chance, especially off the back of the two penalty victories before. So, 
Yeah. Look, you know, it's, it's absolutely brilliant, isn't it, to be in a quarterfinal of a cup. Given where we are with our season and everything else that's going on, to be in the quarterfinal, it just gives everyone that little bit of positivity and that little bit of hope to hold on to. And hopefully it has a really positive reflection on the on the team now over the next couple of games. Yeah, it's, it's a remarkable stat, actually, that, you know, we, we've never won an FA Cup penalty shootout, but we've won three in the League Cup just this season. It's a, it's a, it's a bizarre stat. And, Joe, I mean, based on some of the penalties we saw from both sides last night, it felt like no one particularly wanted to win that penalty shootout at one point. But, you know, Sam Lavelle has, has certainly been on the receiving end of, of a fair whack of criticism this season. And certainly from from us on our show, because unfortunately, you know, he's one of the many defenders who struggled at times this season. But, I mean, if ever a player needed a, a moment like that to hopefully try and try and pick him up for the rest of the season, that, that, that winning penalty from Sam last night, Joe, was, was absolutely emphatic. It, it was. I, I was actually fairly critical of Lavelle um, throughout the game. Uh, for, for I, thought, I thought it was just positionally a little bit asleep at times, uh, a little bit behind the play. So it was nice for him to get that real Philip at the end in terms of tucking that one away. Uh, I, I, I have to admit, when I saw him walking up, I, I genuinely put my head in my hands. I didn't. I didn't have any confidence in him. But luckily, he had the confidence he needed to tuck that one away in that top corner. And, a classic centre-half penalty, just smash it into the roof of the net. Um, but it, it was it was one of those nights people that you thought would score just could not take a penalty for Toffee. And all the people I was a bit more nervous about, when Corey Blackett-Taylor uh, stepped up, I was a little bit worried it was going to clear the South Stand. Cause he's not particularly good, is he? Um, when he's got a, uh, a bit of time to think about his finish. But there, there's so many players last night that I think... Uh, can really use that to build on for the rest of the season. That's what we've got to kind of hope, is that there's now going to be a bit of confidence floating through the team. Um, um, I mean, we're, we're obviously going to win the next round because we only play well against teams that are above us and we can't get anyone that's below us in the football pyramid anymore. So uh, the trophy's ours, isn't it? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's statistically impossible for us to lose now, which is, which is quite exciting. So we're looking at the draw about half ten. Um I've got the telly on in front of me, so I'll keep you guys updated. Uh, it's going to be Mark Chappers, Chapman, as always, uh, is going to be hosting. I think Shay Givens going to be drawing out one of the one of the sides, and then Mary Earps, the Man United in England, Lionesses goalkeeper is going to be drawing out the other sides as well. So uh, I've mentioned the teams that are out there, Nave. So other than us, it's Leicester, Man United, Newcastle, Forest, Southampton, Wolves, and Man City. I mean, what 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 sort of tie do we want now? Because no one said we were going to get beat Brighton. We all turned up last night. I, I was thinking I, I'd almost be happy if we kept it down to four, you know. So we went into last night with no belief. But how, how do we attack the next round? If we if we were given a choice, do we go for one of the big dogs, the Man United's, the Man City's to come to the Valley, you know, or you know, maybe Newcastle, I guess you could, you could sort of put in that bracket in this day and age. Or an away game, one of those, a big day out, although obviously it will be a midweek. It's the week commencing January the 9th is, is when the fixtures are, are held, but it will be a midweek away game. So not quite the big day out. It would be on a Saturday, for example. Um, or do we, do we do we hope for, you know, with, with all due respect to them, and, and it, obviously, you know, they're better teams than us, Southampton Wolves, you know, even Leicester, who haven't had the best of seasons, you know, certainly didn't start very well. Forest, do, do we hope for them at home? I think, you know, we've done it to Brighton. We could do it again. I think so, Matt. I think because you've got, for me, I was thinking about this today, and I've, you've got teams that I think with my heart, which is the Man United away, Man City away, 
But if I think about it with with this brain of mine, which isn't massive, <laughs> but I'm glad you're using your own brain to do the thinking, though. Though, thanks for clarifying. <laughs> but I'd rather, I'd rather a Wolves or a Leicester or or one of those teams at home, because again, I think we've everyone can see on, on when everyone's up for it, it's rocking in there. And I think Brighton are a very, very good team, a lot better than, in my opinion, a Forest or something like that. So. Even though I'd love to be either Manchester clubs away, I don't really want to do Newcastle. I know a few do, but been there, done it. Um, but any Manchester away or maybe like a Wolves at home, I'd, I'd be happy with either of those three, to be honest. But um, anyway, we're, we're the underdogs anyway, so it's going to be a great, great day out or great night out, rather. Um, so I'm just buzzing to be in it, to be honest. Yeah, but well, don't forget, you guys can get involved. So at the moment, if you, if you want to tweet us at Charlton Live, um, I can see uh, I can see a couple of messages coming in uh, already. Uh, Bob said was looking forward, hopefully, to Joe Gomez coming back to the Valley. Uh, but there's still a chance for, for John Joe Shelby uh, or Joe Rebo, of course. Yeah, obviously, Gomez's side has just been just been knocked out by City. Uh, but yeah, New, Newcastle for Shelby and Arebo Southampton are still in there. Um, Gavin said home against Man United uh, would be ideal. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, it was. Uh, I think there's a Leicester fan joining in saying, "Come on, Leicester as well." But, yeah, we, uh, we, we, uh, we, we won't talk to them, unfortunately. Heather's asking if my daughter's enjoying joining in with the excitement in the background. She is. She's absolutely buzzing for her first ever uh, EFL Cup uh, quarter final. Uh, Lewis, if, if you if you if you could have the pick of those seven sides, and you know you were told you, you can have it at the Valley or you can have it away, what sort of tie are you hoping for? Oh, it's tough. I'm on the fence, mate, to be honest, because of similar reasons to Naif. Like, I think at home, one of the, you know, like like a Leicester, a Southampton, a Wolves or a Forest at the Valley, I think we could probably, you know, with that sort of belief and atmosphere, we could probably scrape it. And then we're looking at a semi-final. Earlier on in the, when we when a chance of getting a Prem team, I was like, oh, the biggest Prem team possible. So that when we go out, we go out in a blaze of glory and we get a good day out out of it. But after yesterday, I'm thinking, you know what? If we can get the Valley ramped up like that in the next round against one of those sides, you know, especially, you know, Wolves, Southampton and Forest are occupying the relegation zone in the Prem at the moment. They might not have their full eye on this cup, given that they won't want to drop out of the league. So, you know, one of those games probably puts us in good stead. I mean, I can't even believe we're talking about Charlton getting into a League Cup semi-final, but here we are. (laughs) But um, yeah, I mean, I, I think... My my heart would say like a, a big away day like City United away just to go because I've not been with Charlton to either of those grounds. I'd love to. Um, but then if I'm being optimistic and thinking we've got a chance of making the semis, which call me mad, I think we we do a little bit. Then, yeah, one of, one of those sort of the lower teams in the Prem at yeah. home, I think we'd, we'd, have, we'd stand a bit of a chance. If, we're, if we drew Southampton at home, I, I would I would fancy us, you know. And that, that, that's, that's, one, that's the bizarre thing because... I don't fancy us at home to Accrington at the moment, but for some reason in this competition, you just never know what you're going to get at, at the moment, at this moment in time. Um, yeah, I mean, for me, new grounds, I've, I've not been to either of the Manchester grounds, bizarrely. I've been outside them both or, or seen them from a distance. And the same with, with Newcastle. I've been to the city of Newcastle loads of times, but unfortunately, it's normally when we're playing someone someone nearby, like Sunderland or, or Middlesbrough, when we go and stay up on the team. So I'd, lo- I'd love to take off St. James's Park as well. Uh, Joe, uh, again, same question. I mean, if, if we were to get the away game at Man United or, you know, at Man City, you know, it, it could get pretty messy against Man City. We've seen them put put championship sides to the sword by seven or eight in, in recent years in, in, in cup games. But for the experience, if it's not going to be a, 
a, a Southampton or a Forest at home, which will still be a tough tie. But for the experience, I guess you know you can't you can't say fairer than a, a massive club away from home and, and then bowing out in a blaze of glory. I I'm I'm not that fussed about home or away. Um, really, I mean I I think. I think any any of those prem sides coming to the valley is going to have a an interesting day because our pitch is definitely not Premier League standard, even though we're supposed to be meant to be Premier League ready. Um, so, so it's going to be a, a, an interesting an interesting matchup if we are at home. Uh, Man City, I think it'll be a great game. One, get to watch Dobbo have the Boiner in his pocket for ninety minutes. That'll be entertaining. But the problem is probably the other ten players who probably won't be able to match those levels. Um, I mean, whatever it is, we've, as a fan base, this is just the kind of time that you just got to enjoy it. Um, if you lose 8-0, it doesn't really matter. We got thumped 6-1 by Leeds and the, the, the North Upper were doing the Conger, I remember. It's, it's one of my favourite football memories because it just, in the face of adversity, we just didn't care. And uh, go into it, expect nothing, hope you get everything and uh, just enjoy the day because it's going to be probably a while before we're we're sort of getting into these kind of situations again so it, it, take it every or make every moment count and, and just enjoy it right uh the balls are already in the pot now emma's pointing at shay given and mary up so if you can get him to hurry up and start drawing them oh shay given's got one of his big hands out oh no he's put it back down again i thought he, i thought that was going to be it i don't know where's oh he's going in right the first the first ball is about to be bought out shay given will bring out the home side first which is number three. So number three, the home side is Manchester United. Could it be a trip to Old Trafford for the Addicts? Mary Earp, the Man United goalkeeper, is getting ready. Come on, Emma, speed him up. Come on, Mary. What are we going for? Right, the ball is in her hand. And she's bought out ball number... Number one! Come on! We've got him. I don't believe it. Oh, we're going to Old Trafford. Oh, Here we go. Wow. We're not going to MK Dons. Oh, I can't believe it. <laughs> oh, what do you mean, Walsall? Oh, Man United have, uh, de- have uh, decided to replace themselves <laughs> with Walsall. Sorry, we're going to Old Trafford. Yeah, wow. we go. What a reward for last night. Well, Nathan, can you believe it? Oh mate, yeah, absolute scenes. I'm the what is it? A Tuesday or Wednesday? Because I'm I'll be working up there. Yeah, I mean so, it ain't been decided yet. I mean it's it's almost certain. I'd suggest to be on TV as well. Southampton Man City is uh, is the second one out of there. Oh, these are just these are just, they just got to go for the motions now, mate. See what we get in the final. Yeah, oh, I can't <laughs> believe it, Joe. Man United away. What are you saying? All uh, right, that, that I mean it's going to be an absolute bun fight for those tickets, isn't it? That's that's my first thought. Um, when when can I start registering for them? Um, I'll be it'll be a great day out. Um, I I don't, I don't know how, but I'm going to get up there somehow, and it'll be a hopefully they're in a in, in one of their moods where they just can't play football, and then uh, we can we can take advantage. But it's yeah, what what experience for the boys as well to play in that stadium? It'd be such a, a nice feeling for them. Oh, I can't believe it! I can't believe it. Uh, Lewis, are you going to be up there? Oh mate, that was my that was the draw I wanted. That was my dream draw. My dad's a United fan as well, so that'd be that'd be a good uh, little wind up. I, lo- I can't wait to wipe the smile off his face when we beat him. Yeah, I've missed the rest of it all. So New, Newcastle are about to draw someone. I've, I've lost track completely as who's left it. But in case you missed it, Manchester United against Charlton Athletic in the quarterfinals 
of the League Cup is Newcastle and Leicester. I mean, don't forget, Charlton played uh, Man United in the quarterfinals of the FA Cup uh, back in the end of the 90s, didn't we? I think we are beaten 3-1 on that day, if I remember rightly. But goodness me, what a draw. Uh, what a massive draw for the Addicts. Away to Man United. You know, we've been through some absolute rubbish this season. But that is a massive, massive reward for all the fans who, who stuck with us, obviously. And oh, I, I just can't believe how many we're going to take up there, Nathan. Um, in terms of, like I say, a reward for the fans, you know, I feel like we've had a couple of moments this season, you know, Ipswich, you know, last night. But overall, it's been pretty tough. You know, it has been for a long, long time. But goodness me, Man United away. Can you believe it? Oh, no. I mean, luckily, I've, I, where I work, we've got offices in, up in Manchester. So I'll be up there for... Uh for a couple of days but hopefully I don't know obviously we've literally just been drawn but hopefully some sort of coach service can be done I'm not saying an Operation Ewood Operation Trafford or whatever it is but um, yeah hopefully we can get as many fans up as there we can and listen we're just going to go up there enjoy ourselves and uh, mate I'm absolutely buzzing to be honest with you absolutely yeah. buzzing I can't believe it well let's see is there anyone who wants to come on and have a quick chat about the draw uh, we'll stay on for another five minutes or so uh, Sarah says it's not great it's not ideal for the kids on a school like that it's a frustration uh, as well but um, yeah Andy's saying in the most trouble move ever I'll be on holiday won't be holidays in Manchester uh, Ben's saying I was there when we took 10,000 and Leeburn scored uh, could his Sunday better of course uh, Leeburn scored that night that afternoon didn't he away at, at Man United well surely surely Miles is going to try and repeat that surely oh wow I can't believe it Paul says off to the uh, decaying theatre uh, of dreams and Norman says brilliant Aaron says get in there uh, yeah um, yeah James displeased that we're uh, we're avoiding Walsall uh, Rachel finally a proper cup draw uh, yeah Peter on our way to Old Trafford we're on our way yeah so Joe's just uh, pointing out on Twitter that Cristiano Ronaldo just let, left just in time before he had to face Ryan Innes as well uh, well I absolutely can't I uh, can't believe it Lou do reckon Ronaldo's coming to us to have some revenge Oh, oh well, the, now, now, now the the options out there, isn't it? I, I think, I think Thomas Sangard will be on the phone to his straight away. We did sign the former European Player of the Year once, Alan Simonson. I think it was reigning Player of the Year, a European Player of the Year when we signed it before, wasn't he? So, yeah, unbelievable. Liam says finally a quality draw. Get in there. Oh, that is my reaction as well. I'm absolutely uh, delighted uh, with that draw. Man United away. Well, what a reward. Uh, for all of those uh, th those fans who've uh, who stuck with us through thick and thin over the last few years, uh, Charlton will be testing their wits against uh, old Ten Hag's team. I cannot believe it. Fine, and, and a tick off for me as well. Tom said he's going to pull a sickie to go up there. Absolutely, pull a sickie uh, to get up there uh, as well. Wow. Well, in that case, I think we're going to leave it there. I mean, it's been an exciting evening. Finally, one of these uh, Twitter space watch alongs for a draw has actually gone well, and we haven't drawn Walsall. <laughs> or, um, uh, or you know, I was disappointed with Brighton to be fair, but yeah, that turned into a good night as well. Um... So we have a quarter-final tie to look ahead to in January, but who will own the club by then? The rumour mill has been sent into overdrive over the last few weeks, with names being linked to invest or take over in SE7. A raft of senior appointments have been made as well. And then there's links between one of those and the former Sunderland executive director, Charlie Mevan, being discovered. It's a real puzzle to try and get to the bottom of it all. So I spoke to the South London Press sports editor, Richard Corley, earlier on to try and find out a little bit more information. Let's really delve into then the, the, the massive confusion that is sort of fogging around at the moment. I, I, I have absolutely no idea, really, what, what's happened in the background here at the Valley. So 
out of nowhere, Charlton have, have appointed four people into, into senior positions at the club. So obviously the new manager, Dean Holden, the former Bristol City manager, uh, has come in. At the same time he was announced uh, on Tuesday, the technical director, Andy Scott, has, has been brought in. Now he's a former Brentford manager. He's He's been in a similar role at, at different clubs recently as well, like, like Nottingham Forest. Um, now there's a chief operating officer who's come in, Jim Rodwell. Um, I believe the last time he was uh, was about was at Sunderland. Um, and then the finance director, Ed Warwick, has come in as well. Now, within 30 seconds of uh, those names being put out there, someone uh, amongst the Charlton fan base immediately found a tie between Ed Warwick, the new finance director at the club, and Charlie Mevan, the, the former Sunderland sort of chief uh, executive. He was uh, He was involved in or executive director, I think was his title at Sunderland. He was involved in uh, sort of the ownership of the club. Um, it became well known after the documentary Sunderland Till I Die that was on that was on uh, Netflix, I think. Um, and his name had been floating around in some of the conversations you'd had recently, which was then sort of denied by Thomas Sangard that he was involved. But then his mate has been shoehorned into the club. So. Can, can you give us any indication what, what's happened over the last few days? There was a name, Mohammed Mansour, was out there as well. I mean, all of these different names have caused a massive confusion. Peter Varney's out there somewhere as well. Richard, I mean, the the, the South London press audience are relying on you to to give us, in, in about three or four lines, just tell us exactly what's happening. There's absolutely no chance we're going to be able to do that. But what we can do is we can pick apart some little elements of it and we can have theories. And that's what we've got really at the moment because... Interested parties in the football club, and there are interested parties in the football club, either investment or total control. Um, they're not going to necessarily give us chapter and verse on what's going on. And, and Charlton as a club certainly are not going to do that either. So at the moment, we get versions of events or we see things and then you're trying to link how it works. From my understanding of the situation, uh, I think that Charlie Methven has been... Uh, uh, pretty instrumental in um, recommending, uh, at the very least, recommending a structure that Thomas Sangard should follow. And if we work on the basis that up until now, Thomas Sangard has tended to believe that he knows the best way of approaching all this. And, you know, on his sign-offs, on his emails or whatever, you know, you've got there that he's the owner, uh, he's the chief executive, he's the director. You know, you've got that, that he's doing the whole shebang. Now, my question at the start of the week was why somebody else could say something to Thomas and then all of a sudden he does actually say, okay, I'm going to bring in a COO, I'm going to bring in a technical director and I'm going to bring in a finance director. And there's various ways you can speculate as to what has made him decide to do that. Um, some people would say, and I'm not saying this is me, would say, oh, well, you know, Thomas knows that things are getting very hot and heavy now with the fans and that he's realised that he needs to change something. He needs to do something drastic. And that's okay as a, as a theory could be true. The other obviously possibility is that there is investment that is out there and there is an indication that this needs to happen for the investment to go through. And that could either be that the talks are very, very advanced or just that um, someone like Charlie Methan, for example, is saying to him, if you get this structure in place, it will be easier to bring investors to the table. Let's not forget that Charlie Methven was involved in the sale of Sunderland. Uh, he would have spoken to a number of um, people that were interested in buying that football club. Um, 
you know, privately we think that Thomas has been looking to perhaps either get investment or the club might loosely be for sale for a period of time. And maybe that's another reason why Thomas has listened to, to this suggestion. Um, what I mean, the thing is, with all the people that are out there, there are different elements of people that want to that talk about buying a football club. And we can even go back to before ESI got the club. And back then, I can remember, and I'm having the same conversations with people now, there are groups out there that want the whole thing. They want the Valley, the training ground, um, you know, and the football club. They want it all back aligned together. And basically, I think it would probably be fair to say that Peter Varney, the people that he has had interested in the club, either presently or in the past, I think that's probably the deal that they're looking to do because they feel when they've got control over all the assets. There are other people out there who don't say, you know what, at the moment, the deal for the Valley is not a big problem. It's half a million pound a year. Um, it's not that expensive compared with what some other football clubs are playing to, paying to play at stadiums. And they would say, once you get promoted to the Championship or the Premier League, either of those two scenarios, you've got an option. You might sell to someone who's richer and then wants to buy the Valley or you roll it along until you get in the Premier League where you get, uh, you know, vast sums and then a deal with the Chatelet, £50 million, we believe, uh, for the two two properties or, area, you know, the, 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 the value in the trading ground, you can then do a deal. So there's two different facets. And obviously what I'd say is, obviously everyone would say, a fan would say, we want it all aligned together. But there are people out there that aren't that, aren't so concerned about having all three back and that's that's where some of the i think problem arises so um i don't know if that's really answered too much on that in terms of the se7 partners limited the 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 deal you mentioned where the company was set up and obviously the finance director is now in the the club charlie method and this is his version of events and i'm not saying it's wrong or right he's saying that would be a vehicle for him to invest in the future and that he has not got the money by himself and neither has the finance director to come in and buy Charlton and run it. You know, Charlton, I don't know, as a loose kind of a loose kind of um, estimate, is losing between six or seven million pounds a year. So you've got some serious investment there before you then start investing in the, you know, you've got those losses to control. If you spend more on the team, the losses are going to probably rise. So it's going to be an expensive business. Now, whether Charlie Methvin is in a position to bring people in, whether they're on the verge of it, I'm guessing if I asked him that question, uh, and I think I did, I just don't think you're going to get an answer because why is he going to give me exactly where where they are? So I don't know if that kind of partly answers some of it, but that's kind of my understanding of the situation at the moment. Of course, the other thing I'd say, Lou, is, you know, these people coming in, people have speculated that that's because a new owner that's waiting in the wings has said, I want these people in-house and sorting things out. That could equally be correct, but it might not be. Um, so there's a little bit of a picture there, but it's still not as clear as it could be. And I get completely why people are confused because it is confusing to try and follow it. Yeah, well, certainly. Um, I mean, Mohammed Mansour, then, one of the names that was out there, there was all sorts of information being put out and then denied and, and sort of coming from, from two sides of it over, over the weekend. What's, what's your understanding with him? I mean, do you think he's still involved in something? Not particularly clear, to be completely honest with you. I mean, the situation there is that I asked Thomas Sanglard about it. He said, um, 
don't know who he is. Never heard of him. It's rubbish. It was his kind of version of events. Um, there was there was uh, a claim that Charlie Methven was connected to Mohammed Mansour. Charlie Methven again on the record said that wasn't true. Didn't know who he was, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So it's hard to know. Mansour obviously did an interview with the Telegraph in which he said he was looking to buy a club. Looking at him on paper, hugely wealthy. So possibility. The problem is that. Sometimes with this stuff, you're dealing with the exact phrasing of things when you ask people. And I guess I'd go back to the situation with Thomas Sangard, where when you're talking about Ben Garner and whether he's been sacked, uh, Thomas Sangard denied he'd been sacked to me. But obviously the following day, Ben Garner was sacked. Now, technically, Thomas was absolutely correct in what he said to me. So sometimes you don't know if, you know, Mansour might have approached through another, there might be somebody else that's fronting it up. That's what I mean by it becomes very, very difficult to sometimes pin these issues down. So in terms of whether he is in the in the wings, I don't know. There's no doubt that there are people interested. I mean, um, it's whether the deal's right. And that's always been the problem. And sometimes in recent times, it's not always, as we saw with ESI, it's not always been someone that's, that's, that's wanted to invest. I don't count Thomas in the same bracket at all as that. I mean, you know, Thomas has lost a lot of money um, uh, in, and invested money into the football club in terms of what he's tried to do. You know, he's spent money on players. But whether he's executed it properly, you'd have to say no. And he's he's paid for it the hard way. Of course, where that leaves Charlton now moving forward, we're going to have to see because how much more money has Thomas got available to keep running it if he is still bankrolling it in the future? Yeah, at some point that, that, that pot has to run dry or at least the appetite for for going back into that pot certainly will. Right now, yesterday, um, just before the game at the, the Valley against Brighton, you did sit down with the, the new manager and the new technical director. So that's Dean Holden and, and Andy Scott. I mean, obviously, one of the interesting tidbits that came out of the chat with Andy Scott and, and that Rick Everett tweeted before that as well was the fact that he's only on a six-week contract at the moment. Um, so that that was quite interesting. But tell us a little bit about your conversation with those two. What have you learned about them? What have they told you about who it was who brought them into the club? Well, um, in terms of that, um, Andy Scott, when I asked him who had brought him in, said that Jim Rodwell, the new CEO, had approached him. And I think that then, and, and Dean Holden came in that way as well. Um, what Andy Scott said was that, and, you know, it's again, it's, it's, it, you, I don't know if anyone would be that different necessarily, but football's a bit different. If I work for a company and someone asked me to go and work for them and, as long as I thought there was going to be the money there, I was out of work, say, and someone said, come and work for me for six weeks and we'll pay you X and there might be something more down the line. Maybe if I'm in that situation, I'd say, yeah. The difference with football is you think that people will always want to know more. Sometimes they do know more, sometimes they don't. And I think Andy Scott's saying that he's perfectly comfortable with six weeks. He wants to be there longer, but he's happy to be judged on what he does in January or what the club do in January. And that, He's really, really relaxed with it. And Dean Holden uh, is under contract now until the end of the season. Similar story. Um, It's good that Dean Holden is on a longer deal, I think, because I think otherwise, if you're going after players or if even the existing squad, if everyone was on a short-term deal until the end of January, your existing group of players are going to be like, what's going on here? This is still not sorted and it's going to be more up in the air. Somebody else said to me on uh, Twitter, you know, but you're not you're going to struggle to get players in. But I think the the real harsh reality of it is if players 
primarily will go where the money is and if they feel it's a bigger club. And so I don't necessarily see that as being a major thing. I think people think it's more than it is. I think if you've got two clubs that are at the same level and both are offering the same money, yeah, a player will maybe say, oh, that club looks more settled. I look more secure there, that manager, whatever. But I think a lot of the time, not all the time, players just go, you know, a bit like you, Lou, where the money is, you know. So, um, but so that that was their conversation. Would I expect them to say any different? And this is no knock on them about the length of deals. Of course, I wouldn't. But I mean, I'm sure any football manager would want a three-year contract. I mean, the other point that was made uh, when we were talking uh, at the Valley yesterday, but between the three of us, is that contracts for managers are very deceptive. Like, you know, you'll get like a yeah, Ben Garner will sign. Uh, signed a uh, well a three-year contract um his notice period would not be three months so he signed a three-year contract Did i say three months um so basically he signed a three-year contract but the reality is ben garner will not get three years money just the same as no other manager does their actual their actual terms of payment that they get well, could be six months it could be 12 months you know, some owners carry on paying an out-of-work manager until they get another job. So they just keep paying them their salary. So so the argument was it doesn't really matter because, you know, managers are there six months a year. In fairness to Dean Holden, six months is about right at the moment with the length of time that managers are lasting. So, I mean, the longest we've had is a, a manager for seven months, which I think was, would that have been Johnny? Johnny Jackson or... or or Nigel. Yeah, Johnny and Nigel were both about around that time, I think, weren't they? Yeah. Um, the, the, the other big question, of course, is when you sat down with, with Andy Scott, you know, he's going to be part of a a recruitment team now. Obviously, now we, we there's still Steve Gallon at the club. There's still Martin Sangard putting a lot of strings behind the scenes. I mean, it, it, from the outside looking in, it feels like quite a, a top-heavy recruitment structure now with a lot of different people involved. I mean, what did... What did Andy have to say on, on on the way that the club's currently set up in that in that in that way? Yeah, well, they 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 very much were talking about it being a, a sort of team teamwork, so that they all go in. It all goes into the melting pot. And Dean Holden was saying this is the way that football clubs work in the top two divisions. They have the analysis, they have the recruitment guy. You know, they have the guy that's the negotiator to go and get the deal done. Andy Scott said that steve gallon would be the one that would go and negotiate once they identified a player now of course andy scott's role is as technical director so it, it's a bit more all-encompassing i think than just the transfer window albeit his focus will be on that the other thing of course with andy scott is if you look at his background most recently nottingham forest that at brentford at watford uh, again i think he had a more technical director role at watford for a period but he's heavily recruitment backed you know like that's his background so there's no doubt that this is seen as key. And again, this kind of tiles back into the, the takeover situation because if you are looking to buy a football club and potentially it's not going to be done till late January or, or early February, the one thing that Charlton, any new ownership, is not going to want is to be relegated because going into League Two would be not, not only a disaster for the football club and fans and, and that side of it, but any new investor... They, they want to be one promotion away from the Championship, two promotions away from the Premier League. They do not suddenly want to be in League Two and happen to come back from there. So that's that's another reason why I think it's interesting. But in terms of what they said, they're saying it's all going to be rolling along. 
I, I was thinking, I, I've not looked at this, but it'd be interesting to see what the kind of structures are at Portsmouth and Ipswich, you know, big clubs in the division as well. Have they got as many staff as this? Of course, with Andy Scott, at the moment, it's till the end of January. I mean, it does, it feels short term, but I guess if Andy Scott comes in and helps the club do a good job in January, make good signings. I mean, he's talked to me as well about moving players out if they can. The other thing I'd say that's in the paper tomorrow, a little bit of a sneak preview, is he's saying that there is going to be no fire sale. He said they wouldn't have come in if there was going to have to be any of the sort of star players sold, which is encouraging if that's the case, because obviously Miles Lieburn undoubtedly was beginning to attract interest and I think would have been someone that a few clubs might have had a little little go at getting in January. Yeah, but I mean, the, one one of the the things that I find so confusing about this whole situation is that what was what was clearly a, a gear change from Thomas Sangard in the summer, where where he has spent money in previous windows, the likes of Chooks and Ek and Scott Fraser, you know, big you know, sizable fees on 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 those two players to come into the club in in January. Um, the, the, all the indications were that this year there wasn't going to be money spent. You know, it's turning off the tap, it's it's cost cutting, it's break even. So I, the, the the question is to an extent will will this recruitment team now have some funds and if they if they are where have they come from because Thomas has ma- had made it quite clear that he didn't want to be involved in that so again that comes back to the is this part of a takeover is this SE seven partners something to do with this it is mm. it's very confusing and I think a lot of Charlton fans were probably a little bit concerned by the fact there is a bit of a a cloak and dagger nature to how this is all playing out. The thing I'd say as well with the transfers, and this is where maybe mistakes were made in the past, is that when Thomas talked about coming in and being in the Premier League in five years and we're going to blow it out of the league and stuff like that, one of the big problems with that is other clubs see it and they say, oh, wow, he's ambitious. He's got, he must have money. And when you go and negotiate for players, the clubs will say, well, you, you said you're going to be in the Premier League in next year. And, you know, and so... The sensible thing to do is not to really shout from the rooftops exactly what you're going to do. And to be fair, Dean Holden kind of said that. He said, we're not going to talk about targets and positions because it will potentially tip other clubs off. Or if he says we we desperately need a striker, those clubs that have got a striker when you go to them, they're going to say, well, they're desperate for this position. They're not just bringing someone in because they think they need cover or whatever. And I think that's the reason why we're going to have to see how the January window goes indications prior to all of this is that there would be minimal spend in January. It would be players that were available on loans. It'd be players potentially that clubs didn't want anymore and you might get them on a effectively a free and you, you might offer an 18-month deal or whatever it might be. Whether that changes, they're not saying at the moment, yeah, we're going to be spending significant sums. And I guess going back to what I just said a minute ago, if you're out there publicly saying that, when you go to negotiate with clubs, it becomes harder. So I totally get that. I think all we can do, Lou, is we have to wait and see what deals they do and we'll get an idea either early in the window, middle of the window, we'll get an idea of where they're at. Yeah. But I mean, if, if, if they do spend money, it isn't what Thomas was going to do before. Yeah. Whether Thomas has put that investment in or it's come from someone that's investing or a new potential owner, you know, I don't know the rules and regulations on that, so I'm not particularly clear how that one works. Yeah, I mean, it, the, the whole thing is as clear as mud. <laughs> you know, I think, well, thanks, Rich. I mean, you've done your best to try and give us a little bit of insight there, and, and, and I think we've learned a few things. But yeah, it is, is a massively confusing situation. I think 
with Charlton fans. They have uh, they have been burnt a few times over the last few years now, so you can understand trepidation that a lot of fans are feeling. Um, you know, Thomas Sangard wasn't there last night, and he has been here this week as well. So I guess that will that will seem significant to some. Yeah, I think so. I mean, someone suggested to me that 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 uh, Jim Robwell will now be more the sort of visible thing, and that Thomas, if he's not, you know, if he is handing over the role, he's normally what was mentioned to me is he's almost an all-in guy. So if he's in, he's in, and if he's not in complete control of it, he'll be like, well, okay, you're now you're now in charge. That's put that that's one version of events. Of course, another version of events could be that if there is an impending takeover, that Thomas would take a back seat. Because I mean, the thing the thing I would say is that all the conversations I've had, plenty of people have said that Andy Scott is a very good appointment, is very knowledgeable. Uh, you know, there's been more than one person I respect who said that to me. Um, the word on Dean Holden has been uh, positive from journalists that have dealt with him. And also somebody else I know that, that's had dealings with him sort of in, in, a, in a working relationship. So I think some of the signs are okay on those on the appointments of those two people. Um, but the proof's in the pudding. And I think they, they know that themselves. You know, uh, they I said to them that did they realise how toxic it had been at times. And I'm not meaning that in a negative way towards the fans. I'm just saying it has been toxic. You know, it's... The valleys lack life, and and life would be lifeless. And we know why that is. And they're saying they they fully fully understand that, and they know that they've got a kind of. I think Dean Holden gave me some quotes, which I don't think I've used yet, where he said like, "It's not about talking; it's about us going out and doing it." So we'll find out soon enough, won't we? I mean, luckily we're not that far away from the window. Dean Holden's got three games to start with, hasn't he, in a week or something because of Christmas. Um. The only thing I'd say for Dean Holden is it'd be hard to judge him early on because the squad's got injuries and he's he's not had any players coming in the window and he's kind of bedding in. But if he can make an instant impact, that would that would obviously be would be fantastic. Well, that's it for this special bonus episode of Charlton Live. Thanks for tuning in. We'll be back in the new year following our Christmas break unless something else mad happens between now and then. And let's be honest, you can never rule that out. But all that's left for us to do now is to say from me, Louis Mendes, and the rest of the Charlton Live team, have a very Merry Christmas up the attics. up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello, Fresh. 